Hi, I'm Amber. I'm a healer and a teacher. Um, and my website is www.sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm trained in Reiki and shamanism, as well as white time healing, yoga nidra, um, and karma clearing. So uh, I love these podcasts. I've been doing them for quite a while now, and I always jump on a, uh, and record something when I feel inspired by world events or things in my own life. And today, well, in the last few days, actually, I've been um, pondering what it means to do the right thing. Uh, I don't know where you stand with doing the right thing, in inverted commas, but... Um, I have always put doing the right thing above my own needs, above what I actually want to do. I've had this really strong sense of justice and a kind of sense of universal law from a really young age. And then I went on and studied law. So I suppose that sense of justice, of doing the right thing, has always been very strong in my life. Um, And in the last few months, really, I've been pondering through certain events in my life but also world events of what does it mean to do the right thing you know when we when we say we're doing the right thing who are we doing the right thing by and by whose standards are we doing the right thing for the other person are we doing the right thing in terms of the law of the country that we're in are we doing the right thing because it's what our parents told us to do or our peers or um, we've read it in a book somewhere or we're meant to be a certain way because we are spiritual or we're uh, in a certain profession like what does that actually mean I think we get told an awful lot depending on which industry say or profession we're in or what peer group we 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 spend our time with what the norms are you know what the customs or the cultures are so I trained in law and then I trained as an actress and I'm also a writer and so I, I tend to jump between worlds quite a lot and it's it's always a kind of strange shock to the system when I'm going from one world to the next to be told that there's a whole new set of rules by which I need to abide because if I don't then I'm somehow not doing the right thing and it tends to be rules that make the greater happy but tend to make me feel unhappy I remember years back doing my shamanic training and um oh this is years back and uh, we were doing uh I can't remember which direction we were working with I think it might have been we might oh, we were doing a sweat lodge and I'd already done I'd gone around the wheel the medicine wheel and this was my second time doing a sweat lodge um was it a sweat as me trying to remember I think it was a sweat it might have been that we were working with the fire in which case we were drumming around the fire anyway irrelevant to you but very relevant to me um and so I'd already gone around the wheel once. This was my second time going around the wheel. So in some ways, egotistically, I felt I was a bit of a pro. And in other ways, it was a bit of a shock to the system because I was now meeting new people. It was a new circle. Same teachers, same space holders, but but new people in the circle. And, you know, really strange to, to see where I fitted in that circle. And this was a very boisterous circle. And I remember we'd had a really beautiful afternoon. We'd just been... I mean, it really had been idyllic and we'd just been like hanging out in the woods and uh me and some of the guys from the circle uh, a group of us had just been lazing around in hammocks all day and it was really lovely and we were just you know heart open conversations and lots of hugs and lots of love and then we started to get ready for this ceremony in the evening and for some reason a, a, a sort of section of the group had decided to do to sort of to mud fight 
So there was some standoff going on between these uh, uh, these two kind of sides of the camp, kind of sliding around in the mud, and it was all fun to witness. But that wasn't really my thing. You know, I I didn't really see that rolling around in the mud was going to get me closer to spirit or make me feel more connected to the land or make me feel more connected to my circle. It just wasn't what spiritual connection was about for me. For me, it was about you know what my heart was experiencing and the conversations I was having and um, where I was inside myself. So uh, we were getting ready to go to start a ceremony and it, and um, we were all lined up waiting for our teacher and someone in the circle said, uh, well, he got, I think he got some earth from the ground and he started saying, oh, let's all paint symbols on each other's faces before we go into ceremony. And I really, really didn't like this idea. I, I felt it was an imposition of my on my free will. I didn't want stuff painted on my face. I wanted to go into ceremony clean. You know, I, I wanted to go into ceremony how I wanted to go into ceremony. Anyway, he went around painting all these symbols on people's faces and basically everyone did it. And when it came to me, I said, no, I don't want it. I don't want the mud on my face. Thank you very much. I, I, I don't want that. That doesn't make me feel good. And I remember it turning into a bit of a standoff. And this this guy says to me, well, Amber, I think it would make everyone else feel much more comfortable in circle if you did what we're all doing. And I looked to my teacher and he just smiled. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He said, come on, just do it. And I, oh, in that moment I was raging. Why should I have to toe the line and do what everyone else is doing if it doesn't make me comfortable? So it was turning into a standoff. It was turning into this thing now and it was making me really angry. So um, I turned around to this guy and I said, I don't need to put dirt on my face to feel connected to spirit. I don't need to put mud on my face to feel connected to ritual. But I relented and I had someone do a dot on my forehead or something. And then as we were walking off into the woods, I scrubbed it off my face. And I remember being enraged by that because I felt that I'd been asked to do something that was in inverted commas the right thing. But it was the right thing, not for me, it was the right thing for everyone else apart from me. And one of the kind, one of the things that uh, we're often taught in circle work is that it's important that we're a community, you know, that we all pull together. And I always found that very challenging when I was in circles, you know, that I often had to compromise my own ideals or my truth or what I really believed in so that the right thing was done by the circle, by the group. And it was only by the time I finished my second round of the medicine wheel Um, so it was the end of my second year of shamanic training, that I actually found that there was a real strength in me just celebrating my individuality. And so I remember in our very last kind of ritual, which was a kind of a closing uh, ceremony, a closing ritual where we honour each other, that I, I really spoke my truth. I really kind of said what I needed to say. I got things off my chest, both good and not so. Um, it wasn't a rant, it wasn't me being angry, it was just me being really truthful about the experiences that I'd had in circle and how I'd felt about things. And one of the things that I learnt when I was doing my shamanic training was that my power, my medicine, was speaking the unspeakable, was speaking what other people didn't want to say. People were thinking it, they just didn't want to say it. And I slowly learnt over time that me kind of, you know, tentatively raising my hand and saying, actually, I don't agree, or I know everyone's feeling really great about this, but I'm not, was gave permission, opened the door for others to speak their truth also. And then suddenly we were having a more authentic and honest discussion. But 
It's not easy being that person. It's not easy being the person that seems to be going against the tide and it looks like they're not doing the right thing. You know, why aren't you just towing the line and being like everyone else? Why aren't you doing the right thing? And so I think I've grappled with what doing the right thing means for a very long time, probably my whole life. And in the last few months, I turned a corner and suddenly thought, well, well, I didn't think it consciously. It just kind of started to evolve. What would life be like if I just did the right thing by myself? Not to hurt anyone, not to, you know, punish anyone, hurt them, humiliate them. But what if I just did the right thing by myself? Meaning, and this is how it's played out in my life. So, um... I think we have expectations that in social situations or when we're interacting with people, um, when we go and see healers or professionals, that we have to be a certain way. And I've had experiences where I've gone to see healers and, I mean, I've had a real mixed bag in terms of the experiences I've had with healers. But often, at some point, if I'm seeing a healer quite regularly, whether they're you know a body worker or they're an energy healer, at some point they might say something that, makes me feel uncomfortable whether it's a little it feels like a little dig at me or they make a personal comment or um, as I've had happen they've revealed that they've googled me to find out information about you know something that makes me feel uncomfortable 99.9% of the time I won't say anything I'll just put my happy face on the face that laughs quite a lot and makes the other person feel comfortable because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable I want to do the right thing you know and that for me translates as making sure that the other person is comfortable but I've experimented with, and I kind of, you know, I, I set it as an intention about three months ago. What would it be like if, if I didn't worry so much about trying to make the other person feel comfortable and do the right thing by them? What if I just did the right thing by myself? And it was quite a conscious intention that I think in some ways I honoured um, before the end of last year, and in some ways I didn't. But it's only recently that it's come to the fore again. And I find myself now, if someone makes me feel uncomfortable, if they say something that I don't like, I'm finding myself a lot more than I ever did before voicing that and saying, oh, I really didn't like it when you said that thing or it, it really made me feel uncomfortable when you did that thing. Um, and not excusing myself, not apologizing, not worrying how it's going to make them feel, not trying to make it all neat and... and um, and pretty and wrap it up in a bow but just to be really honest about how I feel and I've always kept at the back of my mind that I'm not trying to hurt the other person I'm just being honest and in that honesty in that truthfulness I'm doing the right thing by myself because if I don't do the right thing by myself how can I expect anyone else to do that if I don't put my needs first how can I expect anyone else to care about my needs because they're not most people take care of their own needs, but there is a section of society, a group of people, if you, if you like, who tend to put the needs of others first. And people who do that tend to be very empathic. They tend to be healers. They um, tend to be deeply sensitive. Uh, they'll also be people that have experienced some kind of trauma in their lives. So they've gotten used to not recognizing or not... Uh, honoring or voicing their needs because at some point in their life that that wasn't an option for them at some point in their life their needs their wants their pain wasn't recognized and they got used to that being a habit and a pattern and so this level of kind of people pleasing if you like or doing the right thing by the by the other person is as ingrained as that level of trauma is in them 
And I've noticed that in my students and my clients, often that I work with who've had trauma, um, that it's very hard for them to say, no, don't do that, I don't like that, this is how I feel I would like this. Because they've gotten so used to putting their needs last at the bottom of this list, and then they feel hard done by, they feel like there is a world out there that is forever negating them. And in terms of, you know, we create our own world, our thoughts create our reality, I think one of the most profound ways in which we create our own world is through our our sense of boundary, through our sense of what we tolerate and what we don't tolerate. You know, what we say yes and no to creates our world. So if we're saying yes to bad behavior, the world will continue delivering bad behavior to us because we're just not saying no to it. We're saying yes. And then we turn around and get re-traumatized and re-wounded. And our affirmation or our belief that the world is a painful place becomes reaffirmed time and time again. And so one of the ways I feel that we can break this cycle is by putting our needs first. And it for many, and as it does for me, it can feel like a very alien thing to do. And it can feel horrible, like you're being selfish and cruel and unkind and hurtful. And you need to explain yourself and you need to apologize and you need to, you know, you really need to make sure that the other person's okay. But the bottom line is, it's no one's responsibility to make sure that anyone is okay. Our greatest responsibility is to ourselves. And if we treat ourselves with love and compassion and kindness. We're better placed to treat other people like that. And if we tend to our own needs and our needs are met, we're not going to look to others for our needs to be met. And so, again, we're going to have a more compassionate and holistic way of interacting with other people in our lives because we won't be so triggered when they do or don't meet our expectations because we have no expectations to meet because we meet all our own expectations. So doing the right thing for me, I'm redefining it and I'm looking at it as let's do the right thing by me, let's do the right thing by my spiritual connection as in having integrity and then let's do the right thing by um, others. And so I come back to those three most important relationships that we have in our lives with ourselves, with spirit, with God and with another and when all of those are in, when the first two are in, right, are in right relationship, the third follows automatically. And I think what we tend to do in doing the right thing is jump to the third one, making sure that everyone else is all right and we've, we've ticked every box and we've towed the line. But meanwhile, we're suffering, we're angry, we feel embittered and there's all this emotion in us that is unexpressed, disconnects us from our authenticity, our integrity and our connection to spirit. How does it disconnect us from our integrity? Because we're not being honest. If someone slaps you across the face and you turn and they say to you, oh, I'm sorry, did that hurt? And you say, oh, no, that, that's, that's fine. It, that didn't hurt at all. I hardly felt it. Are you okay? Is your hand okay? I'm so sorry that my face got in the way of your hand. I mean, that's an exaggeration. But you, know, you, get, you get my drift, right? Someone slaps you across the face and you, it hurts. It stings and it hurts. And you feel angry and you feel humiliated and you feel you just want to cry. But you want to do the right thing, right? Because you're in a social situation, perhaps, or you're in a spiritual circle, perhaps, or you're in um, a rehearsal room or you're in an office or something. And the slapping across the face thing is a metaphor for anything that feels like it's hurtful to us, right? We want to do the right thing by our community, by our peers, by our bosses, by our friends, by our co-workers, by our lovers, by our children. So we don't say anything. We don't say what we really feel because that wouldn't be doing the right thing. 
We're being inauthentic. We're lying. Oh, did that hurt? No, it didn't hurt at all. I'm absolutely fine. I barely felt it. We're lying. And that lie that we told once, we will tell again and again and again and again until we slowly start to disconnect more and more and more from who we really are. And as we disconnect from who we really are, we lose our connection to spirit, to a greater sense of consciousness, to our higher selves. And so we start to feel more disconnected and lost in the world and empty and ghost-like. And um, often when I'm walking through the streets of London, I feel like I'm walking amongst a city of ghosts. I mean, literally and metaphorically. There's so many kind of ghostly eyes, vacant eyes, just staring at phones or staring blankly into the distance. And it feels like it's because we, we are abdicating our power the whole time in jobs that we don't like, in relationships that don't feel right, in social situations that make us feel uncomfortable. The number of times... In healing sessions and in circles, I will hear clients say, I don't really like my boss, I don't really like my job, I feel really uncomfortable when I'm out with people in this environment. And then you ask, you know, I'll say, well, have you said anything? No, I I, I don't want to hurt anyone, I want to do the right thing. You know, I don't want to make a mistake, I don't want to make a fuss, it's all of these things. I uh, worked, uh, well, I recently had an experience about, three months ago where I found myself in a situation in an environment where I was not allowed to say that I was feeling very uncomfortable with the behavior of people around me. Um, If I, I, you know, I kind of felt like my truth was being silenced the whole time. I tried to speak up, but I was told I was making a fuss, that it was a clash of personalities, that, you know, um, I needed to rise above, all this kind of stuff where my truth just wasn't being heard, my truth wasn't being honored. So for three months, I basically silenced that voice in me that was saying, I hate everything about this, I don't like how I'm being treated, this doesn't feel like it has integrity. The, The voice in me that wanted to scream and walk away and run away, I had to silence, silence, silence her. And all that happened was at the end of that kind of period of time in which I was involved in this situation, when that situation ended, I felt like a ghost. I felt completely numb inside. And I've actually never had that experience, or not for a very, very long time. I felt like I'd lost my ability to feel, and I'd lost my sense of intuition, and I'd lost my... um, my sense of integrity. It suddenly became very easy to lie... Um, to say stuff that I didn't really believe in. And I didn't really understand where that was coming from. I mean, I knew part of it was that my daily practice had slipped a little bit because my schedule was so hectic. But I I sort of didn't understand how that had happened to me because I'd always had such a strong connection to spirit and to also my truth. Now, I was kind of known for being the truth speaker a lot of times. And it took me a while to understand that it just happened because anything that we practice for a period of time becomes a habit and I had sort of silenced that voice in me. I told her it's not acceptable for you to speak your truth. It's not acceptable for you to put your needs first. You have to put the needs of others first. Shh, be quiet. And she'd sort of gone into a bit of a coma. She'd sort of numbed out. And I feel like that's our biggest, in many ways, challenge is how not to numb out in our lives and and how to bring our mindfulness and our awareness into when we are numbing out because I think when we get to that stage when we're numbing out whether it's emotionally or it's through the use of drugs or alcohol or addictions of any kind it's because we don't want to experience the full force of that of that voice in us that we've silenced for so long because we were doing the right thing
So we, we silence her, him with another drink, another line, another puff. You know, we silence her, him with uh, shopping or travel or sex or anything that just becomes our addiction because we don't want to hear this voice that's saying, I'm unhappy, I don't like this, this doesn't feel truthful, this doesn't feel authentic, you're not honoring me. And it leads, it therefore leads us into quite, can lead us into quite destructive forms of behavior. So I actually think that doing the right thing by others is quite a destructive pattern, habit, um, thought pattern to to emulate, to be involved in, to be um, caught up in the in the web of, because it really does deaden us. It really does disconnect us, and it can have a very bad effect on us being truly authentic and truly empowered. If we're always trying to do the right thing by others, we won't tell our partners when we're unhappy with them or happy with them even, <laughs> um, we won't voice our concerns to bosses and co-workers. We won't speak up when we see that injustices are happening and we will get a world where injustices continue to happen and perpetuate and perpetuate. And then it feels like a world that we don't really want to be in. Um, it, depending when you listen to this podcast, because these you know, podcasts are timeless, but this is January 2018 and we're in the midst of um, the, the, the Me Too movement and what we're seeing with that is that finally women are speaking out about horrendous things that have happened to them but they didn't speak out because for a long time they were told they had to do the right thing um, by their co-workers, by their bosses, by their family, um, by the production companies or the the companies that they were involved in, they had to do the right thing because someone else's need was greater than theirs, whether it was the need of um, studio bosses or it was the need of execs in a company or it was the need of their family or it was the need of you know putting putting food on the table and paying their rent or their mortgage. There was something that was a greater need there was something that was of greater importance than doing the right thing by themselves. And so what we see now, and there's a there's a huge desire to silence it, and there's a huge kind of staggering head shaking going, this can't possibly be true, a lot of these women are making it up. But I think the reason why we're seeing such a tidal wave is because the truth has been silenced for so long. And women especially are taught, conditioned from a very young age to do the right thing, which is always by someone else and very rarely by themselves. If a woman puts herself first, she's often called selfish or a bitch. If a man puts himself first, he's called strong and powerful and a leader. But a woman becomes some kind of, you know, psycho, uh, steely, icy, cold ice queen um, because she's putting her needs first. So there's a lot of conditioning that we're under as well. It's like a spell that we're under. And I think when it comes to breaking spells, both, you know, uh, figuratively and metaphorically, you know, because in shamanism you can break spells. But, you know, both in terms of the metaphor of spell and the truth of spell, we have to break it, not necessarily with a sledgehammer, but just by extricating ourselves from it. And as the power of the spell falls away, what we tend to find is that we see in a way we never saw before. Um, And we feel a little bit like babies that are learning to walk for the first time. So, 
what I found is that when I started putting my needs first, I probably didn't do it in the most graceful way. I was probably a little bit, you know, heavy, heavy handed about it. But that's because I was like a baby learning to walk. I was getting used to this new skill and that's okay. Um, so you might find, if you wanted to try this as an experiment, that if you were to give yourself a month where you put your needs first, it might feel very tricky and icky and uncomfortable and you might say the wrong th- wrong and in inverted commas thing or be too forceful in inverted commas and all of this kind of stuff but eventually it will become a lot easier for you it's it's it, it really is about the simplest things you know when it when it doing the right thing I think sometimes if I'm in a group of people and uh someone says is it warm enough in here or um you know is it too is it too hot in here i will wait for the consensus of the of the space before i chip in so if everyone goes oh no no, no, i'm fine then i go yeah i'm fine too even though i might be freezing or boiling but i've learned not to do that now i kind of pipe up and say no actually i'm i need this and i'm not trying to override anyone i'm just saying this is what my need is and i would like my need to be met please because my need isn't unreasonable And often our needs aren't unreasonable, but we get told that they're unreasonable. And the reason we get told that our needs are sometimes unreasonable is because it inconveniences someone else, but it doesn't inconvenience them to the point of detriment. It just means that they have to up their game a little bit. So if you are, for example, let's use that example, you're in a room and someone comes in and says, "Um, is everyone warm enough in here or would you like me to, to get another heater? And everyone's being really polite and doing the right thing. And maybe some people are warm enough, but you know the consensus is, oh, no, no, we're fine, we're fine. It's a very British thing as well. No, 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 we're fine. We don't need another heater. And you pipe up and say, well, actually, I'm quite cold. I, could we get another heater? Now, automatically, in so many social situations, still in the UK, it becomes, oh, well, you've... You're making things difficult now, aren't you, for the, for the other person? You're inconveniencing them. I mean, we have to apologize now that we're even asking for our needs to be met. But this is just an invitation for the other to step up a level. Yes, of course, of course, I shall give you what you need because I placed that invitation before you. So either I was being inauthentic when I said, is there anything I can do to make you feel more comfortable? Or I wasn't really ready to step up to the mark. It's always an invitation for the other person to elevate their game. They can say no, they can say yes, but that's their choice. The most important thing is that you voiced what it is that you need. You did the right thing by yourself. So I think a really nice experiment in terms of doing the right thing is to set yourself a challenge for three weeks. That's 21 days to do the right thing by yourself. Because anything that we do for a period of time, and, and three weeks is a good period of time to, to, tr- to try something, can very easily then become a habit. To set yourself the challenge for the next three weeks that you're going to put your own needs first and do the right thing by yourself. So, so when a choice is to be made, when you worry about sending that email or you worry about cancelling on that friend or you worry about, you know piping up and saying I'm a bit cold here in this in this room in this office space you catch yourself and you say now hang on what here would be the thing where I'm doing the right thing by myself and it will make your decision very easy if you're tired and you, you've had a bad day and all you want to do is get into bed or you feel a cold coming on or um 
your energy levels are low and you said you'd meet a friend and you want to do the right thing by your friend because you don't want to let them down and they've got tickets to see something and you know you said you'd go you said you'd go you have to do the right thing by them turn that on its head doing the right thing by yourself is looking after yourself is nourishing yourself is taking care of your needs first because once your needs are met you're better placed to assist others to love others to be in relationship with others if you do turn up to see your friend and you're feeling rubbish and you're tired and you're cold you're only going to give them 20 percent of your truth anyway so what's the point and it's inauthentic because you don't really want to be there so the the purpose behind doing the right thing by ourselves is that we we care for ourselves self-love we are more authentic and that has a ripple effect on our relationships making our relationships richer because we're not looking to have our needs met by others and also making us more authentic and honest in relationships which is a really powerful attractive quality to have in any kind of relationship So that would be my invitation to any that are listening. Put your needs first for three weeks and see how you get on. And if you want to drop me an email and let me know how you got on, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, The email address is amber at sacredspacehealing.org or you can visit the website, uh, which is sacredspacehealing.org and drop me an email there. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Wherever you are on your journey, I wish you much joy, love and abundance until the next time. So it is and so it shall be.